day once again. Welcome to the Weekly Harvest Podcast. My name is Chris Cavage. You can call me Falco, the Director of Game Day Operations and Community Relations with the Wheat Kings. He's Rob Mann, the radio voice of the Wheaties. Rob, how are you? I'm doing good, thanks, but I'll be better once game days roll around and there are more to come. We have got a lot going on this month. Big thanks for tuning on in here to the pod. Uh, last week, Rob, before we even get into this week, last week was a lot of fun around here as we still have a whole lot of walleye gear even kind of here in the studio uh we got the remnants from the jersey auction and then the very uh, you know busy store with all that uh what was your take on uh, wheat city walleye night so first of all i appreciate the fact that the jerseys are legible from the press box that's something yeah, that as a radio yeah, as good. a radio announcer i always i always worry about that but they were so good they went over huge in the community i still see wheat city walleye logos all over the place including right now on your head mm-hmm. but the hats were popular the toques were popular and I, I just love the idea of switching it up and having everybody get on board with the fun. You can do something like that and have it faceplant. But what ended up happening was the community really kind of rallied around that logo and just adopted it for a day. And they know it's only for a day. And it's fun for a day. And you go right back to the Wheat Kings logo, which we all know and love right afterwards. But for one day, it was fun to see the Wheat City walleye. And as we've talked about, maybe, just maybe... We see the Wheat City Walleye again against another uh, rebranded opponent. You know, it really was a successful night. So, I mean, it's not out of the realm of, uh, you know, a thought that we might be able to do something. I mean, even you know, after the game, the, the CHL themselves tagged both us and uh, Swift Current and said, can you imagine a walleye slew shark matchup in the future? And there, there is a lot of fun that, that that maybe could come out of that. But for for one night this year, it was a lot of fun. And there's been some stuff that we've tried to do this year. We're, we're trying some new promos. We're trying some new things out. And sometimes when you do that, uh, depending on the on, on the fan bases, they can either be receptive or you know resistant against that. And uh, there was a little bit of resistance on this, more so than the others. I think because of the fact that we're such a historically significant team, people are just ingrained. They grow up with the Wheat Kings. Yeah, you know, it's just something that we're we're literally you know bred into being Wheat King fans when you get raised here. That when you talk about switching that for even one night, some people you know they're gonna be like, why, why? But when the game itself rolled around and the people were here and they actually were like, oh yeah, okay, it is one night and it was just for fun and there was like, okay, it wasn't super serious. We're not changing the team name, you know, going forward. None of that fun and crazy stuff. It was it was just gonna be for for one fun night and it really was. So maybe we'll bring it back for another one night only. You know, for for per season, but for now it was just uh, it was a really good good evening and, and a will, big I win. Say, yes, a huge win, and we'll come to that. But I do want to point out that a lot of the resistance you spoke to there, from what we saw, was before the big night. After the big yeah. night, the feedback on it post walleye, post December one overwhelmingly positive. So I think people who there were some people who probably had their minds changed by what they saw on the ice on December first, helped along not least by a resounding success on the ice. I mean, you could have hardly have asked for a better debut. No, for sure. And, you know, it was almost the same thing as with the uh, dog night that we did. You know, beforehand, you know, all the negative Nancys out there being, this is an adorable idea. So much is going to go wrong. Guess what? Nothing went wrong. It was an awesome night. Everybody had fun that night, and everybody had fun on the walleye night. So uh, walleye hats and toques were sold out that evening. It was a very popular product. There were some hoodies and shirts left, but if you're listening to this, they are being restocked. So you can contact the Wheat King Team store uh, online, make some great Christmas gifts. Rob, even non-hockey fans, just 
fishermen are getting this, you know, for their for their husbands and vice versa for their wives for Christmas, uh, just to get something with with the fish gear and saying Wheat City. Yeah, we've definitely had some feedback from people who are outside what you might consider the regular scope of hockey fans. So we've definitely had people from beyond the usual cadre of people. There are, for example, the people who just collect jerseys. Almost regardless of sport, there are people who collect those the way that somebody might collect hockey or baseball cards, and they naturally are very interested in these kind of one-of-a-kind type deals, kind of the way they would have been in the uh, Lake Diefenbaker Slough Sharks. And then you get, as you say, the fishing community, which uh, looks after its own, let's put it that way. They have definitely glommed onto this as well and had a lot of fun with it. Um, you mentioned the dog night. It figuratively kills me to say this, but I think walleye might be luckier than dogs. <laughs> if there's just like a, a ranking of lucky animals oh and i love dogs with all my heart but you know what it's hard to argue with a 7-1 win over your east division rival it was it was a blast it was an absolute blast then they follow it up here with our first winning streak and on home ice uh to boot so we got a 5-2 win uh, over red deer rebels here just on uh, what on tuesday night the first tiktok tuesday and now we get set for another couple of uh, games in the midst of a very busy december month last week on the pod uh, we were talking uh you know about just how insane this little schedule really is and we've never really seen that before we're gonna get into that with our guest here as well um this is the time though for those guys for the for the for the players to really take advantage of sleeping in their own bed and playing here in front of the home fans and i was looking at it earlier today while i was drafting up some statistics it's funny to me that this is the first three game winning streak the Wheat kings have had this year because if you think about the stretches of hockey they've played you know that stretch of games for example where they rattled off two wins in a row against saskatoon and moose jaw then lost in overtime to prince george it feels strange to think with how well they've played at times that this is the first three game winning streak but with how well they're playing right now maybe it's not that strange and i was saying to marty murray earlier today it feels like the team has been looking over their shoulder for about the last month like oh the swift current broncos are right behind us the red deer rebels are right behind us they were neck and neck with these guys and while the wheat kings have been battling for positioning they very quietly closed the gap on the teams at the top of the division. They're four points back of Moose Jaw going into Friday night. A win over the Warriors on Friday would be gigantic. It's never too early at this point to start that watching of the standings. Especially this year. You don't want to be ingrained in it, of course, you know, game by game. But you're right, especially when it's a division rival and that's the team that you're trying to, you know, leapfrog to, to, to move on up. Big, big game this weekend. So with that, if you're uh, you know interested in coming out to the games, we'd really love to have you there. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun on Friday nights. we got Dauphin Country Fest as the game sponsor. It's Western night, so we're having a whole lot of fun with the country music, a bunch of Western-themed videos and that kind of good stuff. And then on Saturday night, Rob, we got ourselves an opponent that we have not seen here in Brandon in four calendar years. It's crazy to think that it's been December 2019 since the Kamloops Blazers were last year. I, you know... After the whole restart, after the shutdown and everything, it feels like we've already gone through this. Like, welcome back, everybody. But we haven't. We still have not had these BC teams come through. So it's going to be awesome here this weekend. A couple of big games. Now, that leads us into our, uh, our, our guest because, speaking of busy, this guy had a whirlwind summer, fall, and it just keeps uh, rolling here with this uh, set of home games. Joining us now live here in the studio, our guest this week on the Weekly Harvest. He is the ninth overall draft pick this past year of the Detroit Red Wings. Week King captain, walleye captain for one night as well. Nate Danielson, Nate, how are you? Doing good. How are you guys? We're doing really good. Doing good. I appreciate you joining us here today. Uh, we're in the midst of a very busy week, but at least there's no travel here for this month. This is gonna be kind of strange. Hey, as a junior hockey player, you look at the basically the entire month of December and nothing but home games. Yeah, I don't think we've ever had anything like this before. I think it's like eight straight home games. So 
uh, it's definitely nice to have, and especially right before Christmas, it's nice to just be home. And, and for you especially, the lack of travel this year has got to be a bit of an interesting change of pace because Brandon Wheat Kings camp, Detroit Red Wings camp, exhibition series with the Red Wings, then joining the Wheat Kings in the middle of a road trip. What was the whirlwind kind of like for you that first month or so of the season? Yeah, it was it was a lot. Uh, obviously, I enjoyed it all, and uh, Detroit camp was a lot of fun, and uh, I was super excited to get back, and it was nice to get to join everyone on the road trip, and uh, that was obviously a super fun road trip. So uh, it was a bit of a whirlwind and a little bit tiring at times, but uh, I really enjoyed all of it. I'm sure you've been, you know, talked about this in other interviews and, and that, but just for our audience, let's go back to the draft. Let's go back to those days where how, how many teams were, were, were you talking with going in into the draft? I know we talked to Carson. He said basically almost every single team, you know, he had interviews with. Was, was yours the same experience? Did you have to talk to everybody? Uh, yeah, like throughout the season I did. Uh, most of the teams were mostly questionnaires and then just light interviews and then uh, leading up to the draft, it wasn't as much as more just a handful of teams that uh, I thought that had a serious chance to take me and um, that I was talking to in the days leading up to the draft. So uh, there's a couple teams in mind that I thought I might go to and uh, Detroit actually wasn't even one of them that I was kind of expecting. So that was a bit of a surprise for me. And if it's a surprise, I mean, what's that moment like when you hear your name ninth overall, top 10 pick to a Detroit Red Wings franchise that's being helmed by Steve Eiserman of all people? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I don't really remember too much of it, to be honest. It was all uh, whirlwind. And um, I mean, to have Steve Eiserman call your name is pretty cool. And uh, he's a legend. So uh, to have him sort of have that belief in you is definitely a little extra and a little more special. What was your uh, holy bleep moment when you when 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 you first got there? What was the thing that you just went wow? Uh, I mean, probably just the rink uh, and all the facilities and everything. I mean, uh, I think the rink is only like seven or seven years old or something like that, and uh, I think it's one of the nicest in the league. So just seeing the whole facilities and room and uh, all that stuff was pretty cool. Little Caesars Place, right? That's that one. Yeah, Little Caesars. I keep wanting to call right. it Little Caesars Palace because it feels like it should be. But. <laughs> Natural Vegas tie-in. Yeah, it seems so obvious, but they didn't quite go that direction. That video board is pretty cool in there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's all pretty cool. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And we talked a bit about Steve Eiserman just there, but he's not the only former NHLer with connections to Detroit. You and I were talking a bit in Lethbridge about a, uh, it's kind of strange to hear that he's working for Detroit, given where he spent most of his NHL career, but Alex Tange, one of the assistant coaches yeah. in Detroit, worked with you a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they, they have a ton of former NHL guys that uh, work there, and uh, Tange was their assistant coach, and I really enjoyed working with him, and he had a lot of knowledge as well as, uh, I mean, Dan Cleary is their player development guy, and uh, I work with him a lot. And I mean, they have a ton of guys that uh, we have for resources. And even getting back to Brian, and they've been super good to me, just reaching out and uh, sort of whatever I need, and just helping me with little things as well. Well, and the fan base there is, you know, sure bit excited for you as well, following along with the Wheat Kings. And, and that's one of the fun things about working junior hockey is, is having those fan bases follow us along for that year or two that, you know, we get the draft picks back. And uh, it has been a whirlwind since you got back. So you get back on that road trip. You join the guys right on that. The, the West Coast road trip traditionally for the Wheat Kings always happens in that early part of the year. And it's always a great time for the team to bond and, and really come together and kind of grow for the start of the year. You must be happy that if you're going to get back, you got in time to actually do that, even though I know that travel is an absolute grind. Yeah, it definitely was. I didn't want to miss that trip. And uh, 
it was a bit of a grind at times. Uh, definitely our travel wasn't the best, but uh, I mean, it was a lot of fun just being being with the guys for two weeks and especially the guys that I didn't know too much. Uh, the guys that just came into our team this year, it was nice to get to spend more time with them and uh, I think just really bond as a team. There's a contrast in travel there, though, that I've got to bring up because before that you're playing preseason NHL games. What's it been like traveling a little bit when you go from Detroit to Toronto, for instance, to play in a game there? What's the routine kind of like traveling in an NHL caliber group? Uh, it's pretty pretty cool. I mean, obviously they have the jet and everything, so uh, it's a little bit more luxurious than getting on the bus and what? Uh, <laughs> traveling Diva. eight hours or whatever it is, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Detroit was super first class. I mean, everything they did, they treated us so well, whether it was uh, food and just preparation and everything like that. So, uh, I mean, going to Toronto, like, obviously, uh, you get the jet and everything, and uh, they have all the food that you can imagine. And, uh, yeah, you just treat it super well. You played Toronto and uh, Pittsburgh, right? I played Pittsburgh, uh, Chicago twice. Toronto. I think I played one more too. I think I had five games. No big deal. It's playing for an original six franchise and a couple other original six franchises in yeah. there at the same time. There were some goals mixed in there that we heard a lot about, which incidentally, as you pointed out, Chris, we still do have Detroit Red Wings fans on every tweet, every Facebook post, every Instagram post. If you score a goal, Detroit Red Wings fans want to know yeah. about us. It's going to be exciting. Definitely. Uh, were you there for the Carson Bjarnason uh, Batman story on the road trip? Were you witness? I uh, I might have been involved a little bit with that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we were we went to the mall and uh, you know anyone who knows Carson a little bit, he's uh, once you open him up a little bit, he can be a bit of a character. So uh, we were at the mall and uh, it just kind of came up and we had to get him a Batman costume <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think just one thing led to another, and Barney was running around in a Batman costume all night. So <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 those kind of road trip stories I'm talking about, right? That just kind of yeah. helps helps bond the guys. And yeah. he leaned into that too, like he did not do this halfway. And I think he's the kind of guy who like really wouldn't do anything halfway. No, no, yeah, he definitely is. He he's the kind of guy that he's got like a super 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 serious personality and won't talk to anybody, or he's just uh, the guy that won't shut up and is always the funniest <laughs> guy in the room. <laughs> that's that's awesome. How how is the room this year? Because you know the in 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 junior hockey, it's traditionally been said that you don't want to be playing your best hockey in October November. You want to be getting better and growing as the season goes on. And lately, you guys have done that with your record. But how is the environment in the room this year with the guys coming together? Uh, it's really good. Uh, I mean, I think every year I've been here, we've always had a really tight group and. Uh, I think just starting with drafting players, I think the Wee Kings do a good job of drafting people with good character and uh, just good people to start it all off. So, I mean, everyone in the room has been really good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the last little stretch of hockey, we've been playing really good. But uh, there's always ups and downs throughout this season, and uh, things are growing. It's got to help, too, that you've got guys in that room who've been with you through all the ups and downs. Even going back to the bubble year, you had Ryland Roarsma with you for that. The next year, Quinn Manti and Carson Bjarnason joined the team. It seems like there's a group of guys with the Wheat Kings that have been together for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think Ryland, obviously, and Brett was also there, too. So, uh, yeah, I think we have a, just a really tight group. I mean, 
even with the new guys coming in, they've all been super good, and uh, I I love every guy in that room. So uh, I think we've got a really good group. You know, last year you're wearing a C on your jersey for half the game, sharing the role with Nolan Ritchie. Nolan uh, ages out as a 20 year old, moves on. Going into the summer, then it was just kind of knowing that, okay, this is going to be Nate's team to lead going into this. Uh, knowing that, was there an extra, um, you know, level of 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 motivation or determination uh, for you going into the summer, knowing that this was going to be such a big year, regardless of where you're going to be drafted? Uh yeah. I mean, I think every year is kind of like that, and I think last year going into the year, uh, I had kind of the same feeling, and uh, I know. Me and Nolan had talked about a lot, and um, but I mean, going to this year, um, obviously I wanted to have a really good year, and obviously I wanted the team to have a really good year, and uh, I feel like we're kind of starting to find our stride right now and uh, play some good hockey. I was looking back over the last couple games against the Moose Jaw Warriors, the one in this building in particular, where you and Brett Hyland in the third period kind of elevated the team to what ended up being that win. And when you've got opponents like Jagger Fergus, like Braden Yager, other highly touted guys, do you kind of take that as a personal challenge to maybe outdo those guys a little bit? Uh, maybe a little bit. I mean, I think for me, I like to play against those guys. Uh, that's kind of the most fun part of hockey for me is getting to play against guys like that, against Jagger, Fergus, Matejchuk, and uh, I mean, just competing against those guys. And I mean, I think they would say the same thing. So, uh, I mean, I love playing against those guys and... Um, Obviously, when you play them, you want to compete, and obviously, you want to beat them as well. All right, let's do some some quick uh, dub dub random ones. So, what's your favorite building to play in in the in the league? Probably Red Deer, just being my hometown. Okay. It's obviously not. Besides Brandon, was yeah. right. Uh, Brandon totally aside. Yeah. That's not uh, a fair Deer. comparison. Well, okay, so then you know, hometown aside, what's your favorite building to play in, facility wise, in the league? Are we including Edmonton? Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. really hard to beat the NHL rings, right? If we're including Edmonton, obviously Edmonton. Uh, if we're talking about WHL rings, um, I actually really liked Everett. Everett was a fun place to play and was super nice. I like that as a broadcaster too, actually. Yeah. Like just to maybe it was the fact that you know the rink was walking distance from the hotel or whatever it was, but that was a really nice setup they had yeah, there. Yeah, it was a nice rink. Yeah. And beyond that, I mean, there's a lot of good, uh, a lot of good rings throughout the league, as you've kind of touched on there. It's funny we say though at the very start we talked about the fact that in December the Wheat Kings are home for pretty much the entire month. You are going to do some traveling, as it turns out, this month. Uh, you're off to, I believe, it's Oakville, Ontario, for World Junior Camp, and that was obviously a huge moment around the rink on that day where that news came down. But what was it like for you getting that news? Yeah, uh, definitely. It was exciting to hear, and uh, I was super happy when I got the call from Hockey Canada, and uh, it's a dream of mine to play in the World Juniors. So um, I think just get that first step was obviously nice and uh, special for me, and uh, now just looking to go in there and make the team. Yeah, I mean, every you know, Canadian hockey kid growing up, Boxing Day, you know yeah. what you're doing. You yeah. know what you're doing. You're watching that first game. Uh, what was your first memory kind of uh, of that? Like, is there like a World Junior moment that you remember as a kid growing up and, and watching? Because um, yours is going to be a lot more recent than mine or Rob's. But yeah. <laughs> How old do you think I am? No, no, he's right. <laughs> uh, I think the first, the last memory I probably had would probably be like McDavid's years. Uh, so okay. like... I guess my memory might not be too good, but uh, obviously, like Everly too in those years, I, I don't really remember watching that live, but uh, watching like the replays of the game all the time and stuff—that's a pretty cool moment. But 
Uh, I think just watching those McDavid years when he was an underage and uh, was dominating that tournament is something that I remember. Yeah, Everly would have been 2008. 2009 when he scored the... Uh, yeah, when he scored the, um, you know, the Jordan Everly goal. The What I mentally refer to as the Pierre Maguire goal, but probably shouldn't. But yeah, I mean, you would have been not yet five years old when that yeah. happened. So that uh, I, don't, I don't blame you for not remembering that one. Yeah. Incidentally, if any members of our audience want to feel old... <laughs> That one's barely on the blip too. Like that one, <laughs> that one. I remember. I remember watching that with me holding my baby. Like Jude was a baby at that time, right? And now he's he's fifteen. So <laughs> oh, I remember. I remember where I was when that happened. We were playing a, a hockey game against Selkirk. We were at Allard Arena in Winnipeg, and they started the game late for us because they threw the game on uh, in the TV in the lobby, yeah. and nobody wanted to go on the ice to play <laughs> our actual game. We were too busy watching Canada play Russia. Oh, it's going to be super exciting. Obviously, it's you know uh, an exciting time for you uh, to get to go and do that. You have done though the you know the Maple Leaf before uh, that previous experience though doesn't quite line up of course to world juniors this is on a different level where would you put this up on your terms of like hockey accomplishments uh and like no offense you know to the wheaties or to detroit but donning a national jersey i just gotta think it's got to be right up there yeah it's definitely right up there uh have to make it first obviously and um i think yeah if i make it and uh we end up winning a world championship then that might be the top of the list but uh, you never know, so we'll. I'll have to wait till after the tournament. Uh, a lot of work, a lot of yeah, work. Yeah, a lot, to do that lot of work. Still, so uh, you can ask me that question again after the tournament, maybe. Okay, okay. So what we can ask today, though, is about ugly Christmas sweaters because that's about to happen for yeah. sure. Uh, the whole team is doing ugly, ugly Christmas sweaters today. Uh, just going into this, how do you think that your fit is going to do against the other guys? And uh, do you have any inside info? Who do you think is going to come out on top here? I don't really know too many guys, to be honest. Uh, I think a lot of guys were rushing to get stuff last night. <laughs> but, <laughs> Typical. Uh, that yeah. sounds about right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Me and me and Quinn went and got one last night together, and um, ours isn't exactly a sweater, but we kind of went a little bit of a different route. But so that'll be a little bit of a surprise. Okay. I don't want to spoil anything, but I did see a couple coming down the ramp at the same time you were. I will say uh, Trey Fouquet has some flair this year. Yeah. Like, maybe too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Uh, any other questions for Nate while we got him here? We've, uh, we've, we've, we've done our 15 with him, unless you want to keep going. Uh, I'll say it's been a, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Nate. And you know, I know the uh, the plan I believe is for you to be here against Moose Jaw, and then I don't know what the story is for the weekend, but uh, I do know that by December 10th you're going to be in Ontario and hopefully headed overseas after that. So best of luck. Yeah, uh, I'll be here for both games. Uh, so, but yeah, thank you very much. Yes, our thanks to Nate Danielson for stopping on in here. Uh, Rob, it's been a busy day. Luckily, the Nate uh, could give us the 15 minutes because uh, the, there's a guy that not only today, you know, we've got uh, some different team events happening, but he kind of alluded to it. He's got these check-ins with Detroit, and he's a very, very busy guy. Yeah, the, he's, a, he's a very much in-demand human being because not only does he have to check in with Detroit, but I've regularly got out-of-town media trying to set up interviews with him, especially now because he is off to camp for, as you know, Team Canada with the World Juniors. And I don't want to talk too much with the players about what pundits think. Like, you don't want to invite in too many outside voices. But I do notice the players that people seem to think are going to comprise Canada's forward core. And I do notice that the overwhelming majority of people would consider him to be a lock for one of those spots. And I loved how he was 
like the way I phrased that question to him was almost assuming yes that like I I assume he's going to make that team and but he doesn't and that's the perfect mindset for him to be going into this the fact that he's got to earn his spot he's going to make it he didn't want to talk about you know putting on that jersey and even thinking about it almost you can kind of tell he felt a little awkward there about that so he was he was waiting to say the words i have to make i the have team to make first. the team you first yeah. like he's I, I don't think he's you know disrespected by the question i think he's flattered but i also think that he wants to make it clear he's going there to work yeah. and when i talked to marty murray about his experience at the world juniors what he pointed out was that once you get there you will do anything to make that team and play on that team. And for Marty, the first year, because Marty was an earlier birthday, that's another thing actually that we should bring up. Um, Nate, as a late 2004 birthday, falls into this bizarre category where a lot of these guys don't get selected for the World Juniors before they're drafted. But after they're drafted, they only have the one year. So this is Nate's only chance to do this. You know he's going to want to take advantage. But what Marty was saying was that his first year at the World Juniors, he had to accept a different role. He had to accept an energy role. He had to be willing to be a penalty kill guy, and he learned to love that role. And Nate is the kind of guy who has a skill set that would suit itself really well, if need be, to being put in that role. You don't see him throw his weight around a lot in the WHL because he has the puck on his stick most of the evening. But if he decides to lean on somebody, he's six foot two and he's moving fast. Somebody's going to move. I can, I can't imagine anybody else, you know, going up against him and, and, and outplaying him at this point, just the way that he's been playing, especially in these last few games, when he, when he, when he came back from NHL, you know, he had that one, uh, you know, not a fantastic game, but a really good game in mid hat. That game was a stalemate though. Nobody could really crack through until he did. Right. Then we saw some glimpses uh, of, of some flashes, uh, some flashes of brilliance from him uh, here and there sporadically. But these last four, five games, the consistency now that he's putting up, that Brad Highland's putting up, it's very similar to that feeling that we had in the first week where it was, you know, Peter McQueen, uh, Rorisma. They just seem to be finding each other and clicking and they're doing that against the other team's top lines. And I'd say it, it started with them getting put together, but the the truth is, when the run started for both players before the Alberta road swing, they were playing on separate lines. Putting them back together has definitely expanded on it, but they jump-started themselves. And now they're together again. You can see the chemistry every time they're on the ice. The shorthanded goal Brad got against Regina is probably my favorite example. Like, there's two guys on the ice on both teams that could make that play. Highland and Danielson. They can pull that off. Probably nobody else can. They pulled it off. And they just look like they automatically know where the other's going to be. And how about that game? Three shorthanded goals. Oh, I had to do some digging on this one. Let's talk about that. You were trying to figure out when the last time that happened in Week King history. And what'd you find? So I'm something of a stats nerd on this front. And I love to know when something unique like that happens, yeah. how long it's been since that occurred. And boy, did I have to go digging on this one. I mean, I went through year after year after year until we got to the 2013-14 season. Uh, just about 10 years, and it was March of 2014 in a game against the Saskatoon Blades, and we're going to throw some names at you here, Weed Kings fans. You're going to take you down memory lane here. Quentin Lissaway, Chad Robinson, and Jace Harlick scored one shorthanded goal each in an 8-5 win over the Saskatoon Blades in Saskatoon, I believe, on uh, March, 1st of December, or March 1st of 2014. The last time, by the way, in a similar vein, Rylan Roysman scores two shorthanded goals in the same game, and the last time that happened... Six years ago to the day, 2017, December 1, and it was Evan Weinger who scored twice. Evan Weinger. That guy was fast. He was very, very fast. He was from uh, California, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, he was uh, he, he was good. Those, those three guys you just mentioned, three good Manitoba guys, uh, you know, 
big parts of the of that 14-15 uh, run as well with the list of weight. Of course, Jason stick around for as well the Gold Rush Championship season. That's that, that's cool. You had to go dig back though quite a ways. There was a lot of game sheets to go through to find that particular statistic. There was a lot of big goals in those years though. Oh yeah, so. and a lot of that, that was a time that was peak offense for the Wheat Kings. I kept looking at these games and seeing, oh boy, this one was ten two. This one was eleven one. This breakfast, one was eight breakfast, nothing. Yeah, breakfast, breakfast for any of the Wheat King fans who remember. Oh. it used to be the. Were you around? You remember what Smitty's was giving away breakfast. The yeah. Smitty Seven is an infamous promo that twenty fifteen sixteen destroyed because basically there. <laughs> There was, there was weak stretches where they were still giving out these free breakfasts because you'd score seven and you had seven days to take in your ticket. We'd score seven on a Friday, score seven on a Saturday. You'd play Wednesday, score seven more, and they just keep taking them, keep taking now, them. Now, here's a question for you because th- there was actually a chance of this happening. If the team got 14, did they have to do it twice? No. Because there were a couple games a couple on games, that list. I think they scored like 12 that year, They right? got to a dozen. They got yeah. to 11 a couple times. I'm looking at these some lists and I'm thinking... Oh my goodness! And then I'm going through all these games, and the yeah. the amazing part of it is, you think to yourself, oh, "It's an 11 goal game. There's got to be some shorthanded goals in there." Half the time, they were doing all the damage at even strength. It was crazy. Pretty good teams back then. And yeah. You know what? Offensively loaded, I think, is is an appropriate term. Getting back to that, we are uh, you know becoming more and more of a goal scoring team once again, putting up more and more goals, especially on home ice as of late. It's been fantastic. I mean, you got that seven spot, and then followed by this five spot. You got a couple of tougher teams coming in uh, here this weekend, at least uh, you know with uh, the the Moose Jaw again. You're trying to leapfrog them, so it'll be a tough matchup on Friday night. With that though, Rob, we did get some breaking news here today. In that uh, you know we're not going to go and put too much pressure on the kid, but it is pretty cool whenever a uh, local product, especially at 14 years old gets to make his weekend debut and that's jackson jacobson yeah he will be the uh, third member of the first round or fourth member pardon me of the uh, 2023 draft class to make his whl debut there were a couple of uh, the twins debuting in medicine hat and now jackson jacobson becomes i believe the first in the eastern conference because the others were uh, out in Erst in the east division pardon me uh, as Cruz Paveo did it in tri-city so jackson joins the team and if you look at his numbers in the triple a ranks um, you got to go back a ways to find somebody who scored like that. I mean, he's, he's clicking along at three points a game at, I can't even say 15 years old because he's not nope. yet 15 years old. He'll be 15 next week. So at 14 years old, he's putting up over three points per game in the U18 AAA league. Say what you want. And, you know, of, of course, when you go online, there's going to be the comments of people saying, oh, it's because of his dad. It's because of the last name. It's not. Okay, let's. I want to say on the pod right now, publicly, fully. You take this 14-year-old who's putting up these kind of numbers. There's not any other 14-year-olds across Western Canada who's doing that in their U18 AAA league. He deserves this shot. And as somebody who has seen him play the last few years through the ranks of U15 AAA and the U18 over at JNG Arena, beautiful facility, of course, with the production room there, doing all the highlights. This kid scores, and he scores. And when he's not, he's in the right spot, and, and he's he doing the right goals. things. He- when he was here in the preseason, some of the prettiest goals and passes that we saw was from him before, unfortunately, he got injured. He deserves this. So any of the naysayers, I just, I am done with them. I am excited. A local product making his debut on Friday night who's doing that, Weed City should be very excited and very proud. I was going to say, you know, we saw him in the preseason against Moose Jaw. The five-point game here was wild. Uh, the two goals were great. Picked his corner both times, but what struck me was the assist. You that remember pass. the one of Caleb Hadland? Oh, man. 
He it was, faked everybody out. That's still the nicest pass of the year. Yeah, it, it so. has not yet been topped. Dominic Peters put his hat in the ring a couple times, but Jackson's is still, I think, the uh, the top of that list. And you mentioned the uh, how deserving he is of doing this. I, what I like to do is, is tell people if they're naysayers, cover up the name and look at the objective facts for a second. You've got a player who is, again, 31 points in 11 games. If he's 16 or 17 doing that, we're talking about it. He's doing yep. it at 14. Yep. Local kid, fifth overall pick, 31 points in 11 games, had five points in one preseason game. Stack up the objective facts one on top of the other, and what you get is a very clear case for why this young man belongs, or at least gets the opportunity. And you see, he's still young. To be a 2008-born player playing against 03s, especially an 03 like Lucas Brenton, yeah, that's going to be a little bit of a, a bit of a mismatch. But this is a kid who deserves the opportunity. And the Wheat Kings are in a position where they do have need of a forward, and they've got a really good one right in their backyard. This just makes sense on too many levels. By the way, on that note, it might be worth uh, letting people know, because not everybody does, uh, why the Wheat Kings are in a position where they are recalling Jackson Jacobson. You may recall Matt Henry uh, getting a two-game suspension from uh, some actions against Regina Pats. Ryland Rorsma was assessed a one-game suspension. So you got a couple of forwards down. You need to bring somebody in. And if you're going to do that, this is the perfect chance on home ice to, you know, get him in with the guys, get his feet wet. And then from here, I mean, he's not going to be with their team for the whole rest of the year. Right. And that's the thing is managing expectations. Uh, and uh, he's going to be a first year player, uh, you know, not until next year. But getting him in is going to be exciting. It's good for players to, to kind of get their feet wet that way. And the Wheat Kings do, by the way, have a, a recent history of doing this with first-round picks. I mean, Roger McQueen and Charlie Alec both got games in their 15-year-old year. Joby Baumuller did. This is the done thing. And as I mentioned, the reason that was part of the reason I brought this up. Uh, the Tri-City Americans and Medicine Hat Tigers have already, when they've run into injury troubles, brought in a couple of their first-round picks from the most recent draft. This is a common practice in the Western Hockey League for a reason. You give these kids an opportunity to get their feet wet before their full-time eligibility. This weekend, we got those two games. So again, Friday night, if you're going to be around town, it's going to be the Moose Jaw Warriors. Then you got uh, Kamloops in town on Saturday night. Uh, followed up by, Rob, we got a couple more games here uh, this month. We have got Kelowna in town on Wednesday night. And then after that, it is going to be Teddy Bear Toss. So if you're listening to this and it's already the weekend, well, next weekend on the 16th, it's the big game. The Teddy, Took, and Mitt Toss. So bring the Teddies, the Tooks, the Mitts, the Socks. Even if you got, you know, toys or non-perishable food items, we're going to have both Christmas cheer and the Westman traditional Christmas dinner on site, taking donations that night. So it's going to be uh, an awesome event for helping uh, support everybody. But, uh, Rob, we talked about even last week on the pod, one of the most fun games of the year is the Teddy Bear Toss. And what gets me even more excited for it, honestly, is looking at social media and seeing all the other teams who are already doing their Teddy Bear Toss and just getting ready now for ours the stage is set we have uh, we have a bar set pretty high incidentally as far as teddy bear tosses are concerned because some other teams around the league have done a really good job with it so we're hoping to match or exceed that level earlier today i was driving around handing out some teddy bear toss invitations to local schools so we're going to get a lot of young fans in attendance throwing a lot of teddy bears dukes and mittens on the ice i am looking forward to the cascade of teddy bears that is coming when well now that's an interesting point that is coming when who scores who do you got who do you got scoring the goal? Well, that is a good question. But lately, I've had a good feeling about Rylan Roarsma for that one. Okay. You're going to go with Roars? Uh, let's see. I am going to pick... I think it's going to be Peter. I think it's going to be Peter. 
So here we go. We're going to find out, though. Okay. I will I will say it's an interesting thought that neither of us picked the, the one or two leading goal scorers on the team. Roger and Brett are right there. Because picked, it almost never it is. It almost never is. You know it's, what? It usually is a 20-year-old, I, I almost, too. yeah. I almost, you know, we've talked about uh, Evan Weiger. He, uh, he scored it one year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh or no, Gunner, Gunner Wagleitner. He's the one who scored okay. that one. Year. Anyway, it's sometimes though, like it's those third line guys who kind of get it. Not not the Peter is that, but you know, sometimes it's not it's not that first second guy you think you gotta kind of pick down. But a lot of times it is a twenty year old too. I've noticed that like throughout the league. So that and if we're talking about a guy who's playing not necessarily first line minutes and twenty years old, um, I don't want to welch on my pick, but I'm gonna say if someone else were to make a prediction and predict Jaden Weens, I would understand where they were coming from. A lot of fans might do that just because they like him. Talk about a fan favorite already. Oh, goodness, yes. He's a great character, kid. Lights up the room. I've yet to be on a a school visit with him, but I've got to imagine that he just handles those like a pro. Oh, it was fantastic. He was awesome with the kids. You know, it's always a surprise to hear, uh, not to throw a student under the bus, they don't do the reading program in Saskatoon, so he's never done that before. Oh, really? I was shocked. I was like, what are you doing in the community up there? He goes, you know, we really don't do a whole lot like that. I'm like, really? Which is a bit of a a waste of his talents, quite frankly, because this is a guy you can put in front of a room and have him run it. Yeah, they were were fantastic. Fantastic. We were up in uh, Forest there last week, uh, Forest Elementary, and uh, no, it was it was a great visit. So we had a whole lot of fun. Um, anyway, coming up, we got those big games. We'd love to see you out here. Any final thoughts this week, Rob? I'm looking forward to seeing Moose Jaw in particular on Friday. It will not be an easy game. It never is. But those games do bring out the best in the Wheat King's best players. And a quick shout out when we're talking about the best players, the Wheat King of the Month for November, Quinn Manti co-leading the team in scoring as a defenseman while facing all the tough matchups every night. He is developing into a grade A stud. Love it. Here we go. It's going to get a big, big week and a big couple of games before we're off into Christmas break. So we'd love to see you here. On behalf of Rob Mann, I'm Chris Volkavich. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, cheers.